I don't know about you, but I want to figure out how to be a little more balanced. Life is full of chaos, adventure, and the unknown. I am on the search to hear from those who can make this journey more fun and easy as I learn how to be better to myself, enhance my health, and be a part of ending human trafficking. Welcome to another episode of The Balanced Girl. Today we have someone talking about a subject very near and dear to my heart, Miss Candace Wool. After stumbling across Candace's blog, MTV picked Candace and her husband Chris to be one of the featured couples that allowed cameras to capture their everyday struggle of the emotional and physical pain of infertility. Candace uses her passion for awareness and support to help other couples who struggle with infertility by hosting a local Resolve peer-led support group in Hamptons, Virginia. She's a freelance writer and infertility advocate. Please help me welcome Candace to The Balance Girl. Hello, Candace. Welcome to The Balanced Girl. I am very excited to have you on my podcast. We've got a lot of um, common ground and you've walked in some places. I'm sure I can learn a lot from you. And I'm just excited for uh, anyone listening to get to know you and your story and maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, Miss Candace. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I appreciate you having me come on and, and talk about all things uh, broken lady bits and, and how we can move through that. So thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as I, I think I obviously, you're very public with your story and um, your fertility journey and, um, or I should say uh, your infertility into fertility journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think you're so brave, but it was just so encouraging that you're just so real. And, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you and your husband have gone through as a couple. We'll dive deep as we go, but. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when, when you're young and, and you start coming up with this grandiose idea of how things are going to be, um, and, and they don't end up that way. It's really interesting on, on how that path goes and how you move through that. So for example, of course, you know, think, Oh, I'm going to get married. It's going to be great. We can have a white picket fence, you know, a dog, two kids, Sally and, and Joe, you know, and it's going to be this, you know, quintessential neighborhood and, and all things are going to be well, right? Well, <laughs> that doesn't always end up that way. And life happens. And so life happened pretty hard for us very early in our marriage. Um, so it's, it's interesting because I always knew something was, was not right with my, um, with myself reproductively. And, and I think that that's something we're going to just put a little pin in that real quick, because I think that the, the indicators are always there. Yeah. Sometimes when you're like, Hmm, something doesn't feel right, but you kind of push it aside. Right. You think, okay, no, it's fine. It's just me getting in my head or whatever the case. But even in college, I knew, hmm, I don't think something's not right. I mean, maybe it was because I forgot a pill or two or or things along those lines. But at the end of the day, when we first got married, I I told my husband, I said, you know what? I think we're going to have a really hard time um, conceiving. And um, I I was diagnosed with Graves' disease um, at 19. And it's interesting because my reproductive, um, endocr- I mean, my endocrinologist, not my reproductive endocrinologist, my endocrinologist said, hey, you know, thyroid issues and can sometimes cause difficulty um, in conceiving, just so you know. Okay, when you tell this to a 19-year-old, 
they're like, ah, okay, sure, there's no problem. Okay, maybe I just take some medicine, see a doctor, no big deal. So we get married. And, um, and before we even start, you know, thoroughly talking about, you know, Hey, let's, 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 let's have some wine tonight. And maybe let's, you know, let's, let's try to have a baby before we even got there. My husband, um, started having, um, issues and we found out he had a brain tumor. And so for a very young married, married couple, we were in our young twenties, you know, to get, get hit with, a brain tumor and multiple craniotomies and um, a few medevac type situations here and there. Um, it really put life into perspective for us. I mean, you're, you're talking, if you want to have like a kick in the ass for yeah. like a couple on, hey, here's life, throw in that. And, and so um, I, I just remember he was in the ICU and he had just had um, his brain surgery. And, um, and it's really interesting because the surgeon would not operate him operate on him until he defended his dissertation because he was currently working on his dissertation. And she said, the reason why, Chris, is you've earned your degree and there's a chance you might not come out of this with fully functioning deficits. Mm. Um, and so if that's the case, we want to make sure that you have gotten your degree and then we can move forward. So wow. knowing all that going in, I look at him in ICU and he just reached out his hand to me and I knew, okay, number one, he recognizes me. And number two, our, our path, um, on how we move forward as a marriage is going to change from here on out. Mm. And because life is a gift and that was very present then. So that's what basically vaulted us into <laughs> trying to start a family. So we were, you know, we were early, early mid twenties at that point, um, trying to conceive. And that's kind of where our marriage started and how we got into, hey, let's let's talk birds and the bees. Wow. I, I mean, though, I do, I love like that you said something really key there. You, you said you knew something was up. And I think um, that's new for us as women to think because almost every woman I've talked to have said they've known a moment where they're like, Hmm, this is going to affect my fertility. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously you had a lot more thrown at you and your husband and, um, than the normal couple. But I, I think you telling people like pay attention to your own body is a huge moment for us. Yeah. You know, well, we spend so much time in, in, in our early education, um, both as teenagers and in college talking about how not to get pregnant and how to prevent early pregnancies, but we oh. never talk about reproductive health. Oh my gosh. In, 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 it's like, amen, girl. Amen. <laughs> right. Let's, let's throw the praise hands here because really there's so many times where there is so many indicators as a young girl, as, as a teenager, painful periods, not getting your period, hair growth already. Like there are so many things that are happening to your body and it's often dismissed by early OBGYN care, or they are, again, you are told prevent pregnancy, but never that reproductive health aspect. And really there needs to be so much more education um, to our youth on reproductive health, both for men and women, because it's, it's, it's symbiotic. I mean, it, it, they both need it. Um, yeah. I mean, you've come a long way but we're, we're so far off still, you know, when I'm going to age myself, when I was 
first going to a gynecologist, I had severe, severe endometriosis. And if somebody would have taken care of me from the age of 15 on, I probably wouldn't have had issues having kids, but not knowing what that was and how it was dealt with. I look back and it's hard for me not to be bitter with doctors, just all of us dealing with this, why there isn't more uh, experts in this area. Yeah, you know, well, there, there's there's a few reasons why why there's that, and first of all, it's um it's access to care. Um, mm-hmm. There are just not as there is just not as available for most people, and then and then the other piece of it is there is starting to become a shift now. I don't see I I I didn't see it back when we first started, but I am starting to see it now. But when it comes to gynecological health, when you go to an OBGYN, think of them. I mean, they 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 handle the whole body, right? But they are not a specialist. So you wouldn't go to your dentist for a heart issue, right? (laughs) You just wouldn't. I mean, maybe they know a little bit about heart health, but they don't know a lot of it. Whereas a reproductive endocrinologist who focuses on reproductive health care, they have years and years and years of experience versus OBGYN who's only had a crash course. Yeah. You know, so it's really understanding who to go to if you are starting to have these issues and to start having those conversations early before you lose time and money, which yeah, and I, I think, think we've all done. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking like I'm 19, even into my early twenties, it took 10 years for me to even realize that's what was going on. 10 painful years, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, just at that point it was confusing. I'd say the next 10 years, I'm 39 is where it got. Mm-hmm. Painful and expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So let's, you know, you're start, you you know, you're, you're starting your fertility journey with your husband and, Mm. you know, you were on, um, what were you on true life for? This takes me back. I love true life when I was, I know, I know it's, it's so interesting. Okay. So there were back in 2012, there were not as many people openly talking about infertility. Mm. Um, there were some of us, but just not a lot of us. And mm. it's interesting because there was that time where Chris and I, we, we didn't talk about it with our family for about three years. Okay. We were very silent about our struggle and it was horrible. And, and we, you know, there was just so many, you know, silent declines from, uh, baby showers or just, Hey, we couldn't go or, Hey, you know, all these things that people just couldn't piece together what was going on, you know, or us avoiding, you know, those awkward and kind of abrasive questions that the family members do, you know? You know? (laughs) So after that, I, I looked at Chris and, and I said, Hey, there have got to be other, other couples who are feeling the grief in, 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 and all the, the spectrum of emotions that we're going through, because it's, it's, you know, there are funny moments, but there are horrible moments and there are gut-wrenching moments and there are shameful moments. And there's just this whole like litany of feelings. And both of our moments are different. His perspective is different than mine. So we were like, you know what, let's just talk about it and let's just go out there and talk about it. And he was like, sure. So we started a blog called Our Misconception. And, and, and like I was telling you at the time, there were a lot of blogs, you know, there's two week wait and, you know, there's stirrup Queens and then, you know, there was us and, and then a few others, but they're just, it just wasn't as open. And, um, so MTV kind of stumbled across us. And I remember she, um, her name is Evie. I love her to death. Um, the, the crew there is amazing. The casting director, um, reached out to us and was like, Hey, 
first of all, you guys have the best Christmas sweaters I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, <laughs> Thank you. Because she, I guess she saw some pictures of us in some like really epic, ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> and, um, and she was like, I need to talk to you guys. And we're like, sure. And so it was interesting is when we started to develop this rapport with her and the team, they were like, look, you know, are you, sh- this is a really t- tough subject. And, you know, and we, and this, this is what we're going to be. We're going to be kind of invasive because we're going to be sitting here filming you through mm-hmm. all these moments. And I was like, we have nothing to hide. I was like, you know what, for so long, I've been trying to explain to my family and my friends what it's like and what mm-hmm. the triggers are like and what shot after shot after shot looks like or what a trash can filled with empty um, and failed pregnancy tests look like or what it looks like when you get the crushing call from your your doctor saying that it another procedure yet again has failed and you just threw $20,000 down you know, the drain. No one can visually see that. And no one really saw that visually at that time. And so I told her, I said, we have nothing to hide, but we have everything to show. Mm. And so that's kind of how it happened. And so they, they found us and, and, and we said, okay, <laughs> enter into our bedroom. There's already a whole bunch of doctors in the, in the, <laughs> in the clinic anyway. Why not? Just add in some cameras. It's cool. <laughs> uh, I love that you guys shared your journey and, and, the man's perspective, like even though, even right now, if you look at like who's out there talking, I, I could not name one man outside of you guys as a couple talking about this. Like it's unheard of. The men do not have a voice or feel, I guess, comfortable to be vulnerable in this area. So I love that you and your husband and we get to hear his perspective. Um, I was excited to share that with my husband because, you know, men are like, you know, his family members and, um, friends and, or not his but family members in general or friends, it's hard to call up a guy and be like, oh, how's it going? You know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's powerful. So how does your husband, you know, he's just, it feels like he's very motivated to share his side of things. He is. And, and, and we'll talk about, please bring this up later when we start talking about surrogacy, okay. because I, I want to explain to you about how, um, how that went down with my husband. Okay. And how he he got involved really, and 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 so it's it's all interesting, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's such a stigma that goes around, and and there's such this like machismo mm. that that guys have, and and what they don't realize is, and what most people don't realize is it's fifty fifty. Yeah, you know, it's 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 part female, part male, and twenty percent is is combined. Mm. And so there, there's many factors that can take place into, into creating, you know, a life and it's not just the woman. Mm. And so my husband also contributed to, um, our fertility and he, and he owned that. It was like, look, man, my swimmers are going backwards and (laughs) this is what it is. So we need help. And, and really, if, if you, if you ask me, I think it made me respect him more as a man to, um, be able to embrace that and to talk about that. And mm-hmm. so, and he's also, you know, done that with, with many others too, who are like, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't really have a sounding board. Can we talk through this? Mm. You know, I love, I love that. That, that is so awesome. Um, t- okay. So you start with IUIs and you did, was it six IUIs? Oh, we did six. Yes. And you know, and this is, again, we're going to go back to the OBGYN thing. I had a wonderful OBGYN. Okay. She's so sweet. I love her. However, she was doing, (laughs) she was doing IUIs and had no business doing them. 
she was not a fertility doctor. They offered for. I'm like, can you just stand on a mountain and say that again? Yeah. I mean, and so that's the thing is it's, it's not their wheelhouse and it was a service that was offered, but that's not their wheelhouse. And so I spent a lot of um, emotional um, energy, a lot of financial energy and a lot of negative, negative uh, energy going through um, IUIs when I should have, I had no business doing them in the first place. I should have had a full fertility workup by by a, a reproductive endocrinologist who knew what you know knew all the ins and outs and what questions to ask and where to start. I started at the wrong line, yeah, and that put me back, and I lost years. I, I lost hope, time. I hope someone's listening to you, Candice, because the more people that come to me about IUIs, and I I tell them it's like where every OBGYN knows where to start, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they they tell you you're going to save money. Yeah. And if, and honestly, I'm like, I have, it ended up being a waste of money. Cause you end up doing like four rounds before they're like, Oh, this isn't working. And then you go to IVF and it's like, Oh, the time and the money. I, I don't know that I have a lot of good to say about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, we, we titled our blog and, and everything our misconception because we, we were, we have made so many misconceptions and so many missteps Mm. through this process, we were like, we have got to talk about this so others can learn from our mistakes. And that was, that was it. I mean, that was the the first one. Well, the first one I should have paid attention and I should have really listened um, Mm. to my body at the very beginning. Mm. The second one was I should have advocated right out the gate for my reproductive health care, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. I cared more about the, it's, it's, and you know, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this, somebody who's going through infertility and it's, it's almost like, it's almost like a drug addict in a way. And because you start the first round and you're like, okay, that didn't work. I need another hit. We need to try this again. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't work again. And you try it again and you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it and you keep on doing it until you have hit a certain bottom point and then it escalates. Then you ratchet it up to the next thing mm-hmm. and you keep going until, mm-hmm. until you decide, okay, um, I'm going to advocate for me to to stop and, and change a different direction, or you know, I'm, I'm we need to go back to to ground you know zero here. But the point is, is I, I think that um, it really is the definition of insanity where you completely repeat the same thing over and over and over again, and that's where people get stuck in that loop because they're like, oh no, if I do it one more time, this will be my time, and they're not moving forward; they're just staying in the circle. So you got to advocate to get out of your circle, really. And I wish we would have done that earlier. You know what? I think it's time for a sneaky break. Are you looking for some motivation in the kitchen? I have just the cookbook for you. Dining and cooking always felt like riding a bike through fire. (laughs) But once I realized I could make things simple and food could taste so good, I fell in love with the kitchen. Simply Balanced is full of simple, delicious, healthy recipes free of gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. Head to KinseyPentecost.com and use the Balanced Girl for 10% off today. Now let's get back to the Balanced Girl. So you're you're doing your IUIs Mm -hmm. and you get out of that and Sandy, but then you up the ante to IVF. Yep. So ratchet it then up. you do seven rounds of that, I think. Yeah. 
I'm trying to memorize your uh, profile, so I think I'm getting <laughs> the numbers right. But it's a, I forget sometimes. It's all it's all a hazy blur. No, but um, you had to go through all that. Too many. It, it, a lot. It, you know, I, th- I think what you chalk it up is a lot of of IVF. And and really, the the issue here was um, we were racing my body um, at that point. Um, so I do want to say that for anyone who starts off with um, simple treatment, simple treatment does help. IUIs, Clomid, you know, certain medications, but it's under the under the advice of a fertility doctor or someone who knows exactly you know what to do, right? Whereas that's not where we were. The second piece was when you cross over that bridge from IUI to IVF, it's pretty devastating um, for people because you know it, that's a whole new it's a whole new ball game. It's a, it's just a whole new level of okay, this is really a problem. This is really something that I need to I need to handle, and so when we moved into IVF treatment, they started to discover because um, I had multiple surgeries throughout that because um, I started having what's called hyperplasia, and they would remove this this hyperplasia each time, and it would just come back worse than it was before, and so I started to develop the beginning stages of uterine cancer, mm. and I gotta say, you know, a lot of people are like. You, you got to see, and excuse me, I don't know if you, you know, you, you curse too much on here, but you, you got to see the sunshine and the shit, okay? And 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 in my, and for me, it was the fact that, okay, yeah, if it wasn't for all these fertility treatments, I would have never discovered that I had the beginning stages of cancer, and mm-hmm. it would have gone undiagnosed, and it would have been unseen until it was probably too late, because mm-hmm. um, uterine cancer is a very, very, very sinister one, and it's and it's not easily detected. Wow. So because of my multiple IVF treatments and because of that, it was discovered. So I, I, I am, I thank God. I thank everybody who had their hands somewhere near my lady bits who have helped me through that one because yeah, I mean, so I, although IVF never worked for me personally to conceive myself, it did grant me a a longer life. Mm, mm. that's beautiful silver lining and all of it and I do think there's a lot of silver lining as you go through it if you pay attention so thank you for sharing that so so then you decide now you're dealing with beginning stages of uterine cancer Mm -hmm. and you know what happened from there with where how did you decide to go to some just revelation of where did you want to go next? So this was interesting. Okay. So, all right. During that time we were at our sixth IVF and, um, and at, at that point. Mm -hmm. And so MTV was, was filming us at that time. And they had just came, they have just come back from Chicago, um, filming Jenna, who is so lovely. I love her. She had had a positive pregnancy test after first round of IVF. Super excited. Okay, so everybody was jazz hands and, and, and celebrating. Um, and they flew straight from Jenna to me in Virginia to film my beta because we were both cycling around the same time, poor guys. And I remember being outside. the. Um, I remember when we first found out and um, I looked at the pregnancy test and both Chris and I just fell to the floor because and they filmed us during this. And I remember looking up at the camera once 
um, when they were filming us after after seeing that it was negative, and then we got the call later, you know. But um, and the the production crew were wiping tears away. These two grown men were just wiping tears away because they said in in less than twenty four hours they watched two people's lives change so dramatically, one from being from complete joy to utter devastation. And they also said with true life, most of the time people got themselves in the situations that they were in. Whereas with infertility, it was a completely different subject because these are people who did not put themselves in the situations. They were good people. They are people who, you know, all they wanted was a family mm. and, and every, and they couldn't. And so we got that news. And I had already mentally prepared myself because my doctor and my in, and my my endocrinologist and my fertility doctor and my uh, re, and my OBGYN oncologist that's a whole mouthful. Both doctors were working um, in tandem with me, and they both said, "Candace, this is your last IVF. After this, we're gonna have to consider a hysterectomy." So that decision had been made for me. I already knew that that was my last chance of being able to physically carry a pregnancy. And that was, that door would be shut indefinitely. And so I had already kind of, we'd already had the conversations about what were our next steps were going to be. So just with anything, I, I had my pity party on the floor. We cried. We, we got ourselves up. And um, I went to the refrigerator <laughs> directly with the film crew. And I was like, hey, guys, turn off your cameras. You're going to have some wine with me. And Chris is going to have a couple beers. And we're going to call up some adoption agencies right here. And then oh, tomorrow wow. we're going to go visit some adoption agencies. Because the hell hath no fury like a woman who wants a child. And so <laughs> and that's what we did. Not even behind those cameras, but I'm getting choked up. <laughs> And, and, you know, and so, it, and that, and that's kind of exactly how that went down. I mean, I, I already knew. And so what, what am I going to do? You know, what was our choice? Yeah. What was the ultimate goal? Was it because of course I want to carry my own child. I want to experience pregnancy. I want to, I want to know what it's like to feel a kick. I'll never mm. have that. Mm. But what was the ultimate thing? What I wanted at the end of the day, and this is where you have to kind of figure out what you want. What I wanted more than the kicks in the stomach and the pregnancy where and anything else was to be called mom. Mm. That's it. Mm. It didn't matter how I got there. That is beautifully said. And and really, I think this journey redefines what motherhood is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And womanhood. Because, yeah, yeah. So so you you walk down the adoption process. But spoil alert, we've already heard you say the word surrogate. So <laughs> yeah. um, well, how did you go from one to the other? What's interesting, so a lot of people don't don't realize because there's always that just, just adopt, just do this, yeah. just that. It's not easy. And, and adoption was, was so much more invasive than any fertility um, procedure I have ever had in my life. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't physically invasive, but it was emotionally and personally invasive because of the questions asked and in in the rigmarole that you have to go through it. And I was at a very angry stage in my life when that happened, when um when we were going through that because I was dealing with the 
with, with the grief path, the path of, of reconciling my grief. And so I was in that angry stage. And um, during that time period, we had two adoptions fall through. So for all those people that say, why didn't you just adopt? We did. We tried. We didn't. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't work out for us. And I'm laughing. I think any woman going through infertility can relate because that's what people say to you. Why don't you just adopt? Because it's not that easy. There's wait lists. <laughs> There's, I mean, and, and we actually had to, um, because Chris had um, past brain surgery and because I had a, um, a previous cancer diagnosis, um, many adoption agencies won't. Um, adopt out to someone who's, you know, there's just, a, there's a, there's a lot of outliers. And so it was, it was, it was difficult. Mm. So we started fundraising and, um, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to go to hell hath no fury, like a woman who wants a child. I was called tacky. I was called all these things because we were fundraising, but guess what? Trying to afford treatment and trying to afford adoption and trying to afford all those things is not cheap. And if somebody somebody makes the choice to want to give to you, there's so many people who did see where we we're at and they're like, "Hey, how can we help you? Yeah. Hey, we're we're gonna try to we're gonna try to adopt. Here here's our fundraisers that we're doing, right? Because it's not it's not free. And and so many people and and this is why I wish access to care was was advocated more because this so many there's so many challenges and barriers that people. Um, face who are trying to build their family, sometimes mm -hmm. it's not as easy as just adopt. It's just, oh, well, I can't even afford to. Yeah. Um, or I can't even afford that next treatment. Some people can't even afford an IUI. And, and I had somebody once ask us, well, if you can't afford your treatment or adoption, how can you afford a child? Come on. My response every single time is, okay, how about your college degree? Or how about that car that you have in your parking lot? Or how about that really nice um, house that you live in? Did you buy that out front? Or do you pay on that monthly? I was like, most people do not have the financial backing to pay for something that is that sizable in cost outright. Mm. That's how, of course, we can afford to have a child. We cannot afford to have the treatment or the adoption process or the surrogacy to have a child without help. Mm. So we started fundraising. And, um, and during that fundraising piece, um, a friend, um, a little sister of a friend of mine sent me a message on, um, private message on Facebook. And she said, Hey, just so you know, FYI, I was a gestational carrier before. So if you're interested, I'll, we can talk. I'd love to carry for you. You know what I did with that message? I didn't respond. I looked at it. It, 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 I just let it sit there. I didn't even... I just, I, I think I mentioned it to Chris like two days later. It was so out of our reach. Mm. There's no way I could do a surrogacy. There's no way we could afford one. I'm not Kim Kardashian. I'm not Beyonce, although when I sing in the shower, I like to think I am. But <laughs> I'm not. I don't have, we, there was no way we could, it, it was so incredibly out of reach for us. It, it didn't even cross our mind. So I was talking to my mom who was adopted and I said, you know, mom, you know, I have this, you know, Corinne was her name and um, who we, we adore. And, and I said, you know, she reached out to me and she said, hey, you know, I want to I want to carry your 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 child through gestational care, um, through gestational surrogacy for if you're interested. And she was like, well, Candace, do it. Why? You can adopt a second child mm. or you could just but you have a bird in hand right here. Go for it. And I thought about it for a second. I said, well, what's holding me back? You know, money, sure. Okay, we can try. We, we can we can shake some couch cushions. We can try to make this happen. We can will this into space. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So I really stopped focusing on the cans and started really honing in on the cans. And next thing we know, I have a gestational carrier who is showing me a positive pregnancy test. <sighs> and I never saw one ever in, in the seven years prior to that point that we had been trying. Never once. Mm-hmm. It, it had always been one single line. It had always been an empty, tra- I mean, just a filled up trash can with, with uh, negative pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. And she, she was so sweet. She like wrapped it up in a little gift bag and she was like, I know you hate, you hated the digital one. So I, I peed on a digital one for you just so you can even see it says. I'm <laughs> oh, I love that. So you have two beautiful daughters through surrogacy. Through surrogacy, two different gestational carriers. Okay. Yes. And, um, and my husband is to blame for the, the second um, surrogacy. <laughs> And, um, and it goes to show what sharing your story can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so each surrogacy was very uniquely different. Each surrogacy came with their own um, emotional um, things because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's beautifully hard um, to go through a surrogacy. It's so incredibly beautiful, but also you're also grappling with your own real um, demons. Mm. you're watching another woman labor a child that you, your body could not do that your body failed you on. Yeah. And to watch somebody agonize in pain and to go through that. um, If there's ever a word for emasculation of of a woman, that would be that feeling Mm. is, is to kind of witness that. Um, And so you have to really walk through it because it's why when going through a gestational surrogacy labor, it is the most beautifully complicated thing ever because you're watching this beautiful act of kindness from another woman and she's laboring and you're feeling pain for her and you're feeling so much helplessness mm-hmm. in your own. You're also laboring your own guilt and your own demons as well. So it's like you have this mental and physical labor going on at the same time um, with two different women. It's, it's, it's crazy, but there, I tell you, there's nothing more beautiful, though, than watching your gestational carrier, like, hand you your baby and, and, and do this. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed. You know, you you have told your story with such beauty and such grace. And, I mean, just so real and raw because, I mean, to go through what you've been through. But it makes you, even for myself, going through a lot of um, some of this the things you've gone through, um, it, it just makes me go, wow, okay. I'm a little bit more normal in how I'm feeling and thinking. And, and I just thank you for being so public with your story. And, um, it, it's been a godsend for me. So I really appreciate you, Candace. And what, what do you want to leave us with? I, I could talk to you all day long, <laughs> but, you know, what do you want to leave us with? What are you doing now? Like, how can we follow you and grow with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you know, obviously you could follow all of our antics on, um, on Instagram at our misconception. Um, however, I am really heavily involved in, in advocacy work because, um, you stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Nothing is going to change unless you are the one who changes it. And Mm -hmm. so what you, for me, I'm like, we really wanted to take our pain and turn it into something else. And so we've really gotten involved with Resolve, um, the, interna- the um, 
the Infertility Association. Um, they are amazing. Um, if you haven't heard of them, definitely um, look them up. They do so much work when it comes to um, support, providing support groups and men's support groups as well. Um, but yeah, so Resolve, the National Fertility Association, they do advocacy work to help do access to care, help provide affordability, um, you know, all, all these things. They have coverage work programs, all these amazing things. And this is what I've really dedicated myself in. We, we've done a lot of, um, I, I host support groups here locally. And then um, I've also done Federal Advocacy Day with them. And if you're ever like, why isn't something changing or why is this so expensive or why, why, why? This is how you can kind of define the how. How can I, how can I change this um, mm -hmm. through them? So that's, that's the now, that's what I'm doing now is, is really working hard through that. And of course, you know, <laughs> chasing many humans <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I, and, and I heard you talk about age and things like this. I, I can tell you for anyone who's kind of chasing that and, and thinking about that in their heart and, and really trying to conceive, I am such a better parent now. Um, and I am 41. I have a two-year-old. <laughs> and, and I, I am such a more patient parent. I, you know, I might not look a lot like the PTA moms, <laughs> a little bit older, but, um, I, I think I parent differently. Mm -hmm. I, I parent differently. I'm much more understanding. I, everything is different because of our journey. And so mm -hmm. really I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the perspective that I have because of what it took to get here. Thank you, Candice, for all of your words. I will be linking your Instagram and how to follow you and very excited to keep up with you. Thank you. Thank you. Candice, I cannot thank you enough for saying yes to The Balanced Girl. Thank you for sharing your story and everything you went through on your IVF journey, your adoption journey, your surrogate journey, and what you went through, and even how it began with MTV. We can't thank you enough for what you're doing and advocating for women's reproductive healthcare. And we just wanna thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing it all with us. I hope you feel encouraged to take care of your own reproductive health and get out there and make sure you're healthy before you find out you're not. Thank you again. And I hope as usual, you subscribe to The Balanced Girls so you do not miss one episode. Thanks everyone.